0: Hi there, this is Erin Nicole, and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement podcast. On this show, I interview people from all over the world anyone from professional custodians all the way up to international presidential candidates. One day, my big bodacious dream and goal is to interview our top level leadership, either active in the role or formerly that are still alive in the country that I was blessed to be born in the land of the free, the home of the brave, the United States of America. With the, with the hope, with the intention to help empower you to find happiness from within. Through the storytelling, through the research that uh, we share on the show, and through personal and professional experiences, both good and otherwise, that we've learned from. So that hopefully you can uh, make better decisions in your life from our, uh, our lessons, if you will. Sometimes on the show, I feel impromptu from my belief system, the creator of the universe puts on my heart to discuss with you. And sometimes I share some music that goes hand in hand and whatnot. And I'm literally, today was a really tough day for me. I'm going to be real. Uh, I was uh, having some issues with my lungs, had a hard time getting out of bed, but I, I did it. And creator told me to get up and do some exercise. So I was in the middle of exercising and listened to some gospel music. And in the middle of my squats, plie squats, if you're um, in the fitness industry or if you're knowledgeable about those, that's when you turn your toes outward 45 degrees to ignite your inner thigh muscles, and right in the middle (laughs) of popping a squat, working on my thighs, the creator says, I want you to put this phone away, get your other phone out, and I want you to talk about unrelinquishing love. And specifically, what he put on my heart was, I want you to talk about your father letting go of this earth which is not an easy topic for me to talk about but I believe the creator of the universe doesn't give us more than we can handle and so I'm going to work through it to the best of my ability for you Um, when I do these kinds of conversations on the show I don't pre-plan it this is completely spirit led so whatever happens happens um so the f- the first thing of unrelenting love that comes to mind um so my father was diagnosed with kidney cancer i was 11 years old he had just started a new job he was less than 6 months in working for this bread company as a vendor he had switched from being a regional Sales manager working in multiple states, gone like all week long. He would come home late Friday night or early Saturday morning, and he would usually leave Sunday afternoon or early Sunday evening. So we had maybe 24 hours every week with our dad, uh, minus the sleep. And we missed him. We needed him in our lives. And um, he and mom made a decision for him to come back home, get a job where he would be home every day. Uh, My eldest sibling was getting into all kinds of trouble. And I think mom had reached her peak because he was getting older and he was probably taller and more muscular than mom. And, um, she had gotten some help from family members coming over family, friends and whatnot. Uh, but he needed his dad to come home. And I think they finally had that moment where they decided that, okay, this is going to work. And she helped him apply for jobs and whatnot. And, Keep in mind, this is pre-internet, so everything that was typed on, if it was a computer, um, had the little pieces of paper with the holes on the sides, a little two, Apple IIgs, um, and old school, look in the newspaper for job openings, or have conversations at church with people that own businesses or work at businesses, hey, are you hiring, we're looking for work, things like that. Um, And he finally, he, he started working briefly for one company that sells chips, all kinds of fancy chips that you might eat, fancy, casual, whatever, at your parties, uh, your football games. Uh, but that was really hard on his body and the money just wasn't there. So he, uh, got hired at this company that, um, one of their members at the church had helped connect him to get this job. And, uh. Mom was friends with uh, the wife because of our homeschool group, and I was with her kids. We were kind of sort of around the same age. Uh, we all hung out together and were connected through, through that, and he knew that dad was looking, and so he started working at this company, I want to say maybe three or four months in. I know it was less than six months, and um, he gets diagnosed with cancer, my first year transitioning from homeschool to elementary public school so I'm 11 years old at this point and it's maybe October or November when the doctor sees something on an x-ray he went in for he had a lot of kidney issues like kidney stones and whatnot and they found a mass on the x-ray but they didn't know what it was they said it could be it could be just a bad x-ray we're going to do a second one um but they didn't like it it looked like it was a growth pretty large size so um they confirmed that it was cancer and back then the treatment was to um isolate it depending on the type of cancer kill the organ and you have most people have two kidneys you're born with some people have three some people have one but mo- for the most part Most of us have two kidneys. They are the filtration system of all the toxins in the body. Dad was a smoker. um, So, you know, some people say smoking doesn't cause cancer, but a lot of the toxins that are within the cigarettes and whatnot, we believe that uh, that was a huge part of it because the the kidneys had to work in overdrive for like 25 years he smoked. So uh, they killed the kidney. Um, He got really skinny took time off of work, um, didn't know if they'd even still have a job for him, but unrelinquishing love. The Creator has His hand of favor over my family, and over your family as well, if you look for the good. Uh, These people not only kept His job, but they started a foundation, or a bank account, if you will, maybe not an official foundation, but They knew he was the single income earner of a family of five. I'm number five. I'm getting emotional because uh, people with depression, we always think that we are a burden. And boy, did I feel like I was a burden at this point. Bills were coming in. House note was coming in all kinds of stress, but these coworkers stepped up because of how hard my dad was working before being diagnosed. He had Wednesdays and Sundays off. So on Wednesdays, that was the extra hard work day. Uh, <laughs> and that would be facing, he sold bread in the grocery store. So, uh, I forget what they called it, but you could work and get overtime to work on your day off and go into the stores and face all the bread. So bring it all to the front to make it easier for the consumer to grab it. And we all stepped up as a family and did that. (laughs) I remember going in with him on Wednesdays because I took some time off of school naturally to spend time with dad. And then um, in winter break, of course, I didn't miss school. Unrelinquishing love. The community stepped up, helped us cover our house note. I remember they, I remember his supervisors came over to the house. We had the tree up. This was Christmas time. And they brought us over presents. Unplanned. Um, I believe probably their spouses had a lot to do with it. They wanted to make sure that we knew we were valued. Even though he couldn't work. He lost, I think maybe like 80 or 90 pounds. I don't I don't remember. It was so long ago. I just remember how skinny he was. He was skinnier than mom and he was never skinnier than mom. It was scary. It was real scary, but through the rehab process and getting him back on his feet, as soon as he could, he got back to work and he gave them in that company another 19 years of real diligent, hard work. And around my 30th, I had, uh, the month before my uh, divorce had finalized. And my rent, it was an 11-month process, so I was living in uh, Puyallup at the time. And my rent was about to go up, so I was in the in-between stage where I hadn't signed my lease yet. And at the time, I was working as a personal training manager I was the inside sales manager at a gym. I just started working there. It was like first 30 days, maybe 45 days. And I decided to move closer to work so I didn't have to drive so far and save on gas money. It was about the same price. It was a couple hundred more, but I figured I'd save in gas money and whatnot. Um, Moved in moving day that was that was when I knew something was off. Dad was helping with moving he did one trip where he grabbed a box and he was so out of breath he sat on the edge of my car and he got his inhaler out, and he said he had been diagnosed with asthma a couple years before and uh I mean, we're talking a week before this, two weeks before this, he was working full-time in that same job, loading a couple hundred pounds worth of bread in these metal racks off his truck into his grocery stores, working real fast to, could barely lift a five-pound box and walk a couple hundred feet. I knew that he wasn't doing well. I knew that it, just something in my spirit told me that it was not asthma. And uh, after that day, he got tested, and they said he had pneumonia. So for a couple of weeks, we thought he had pneumonia, and he was on whatever medication they give you when you're on pneumonia, but it wasn't getting better. And they finally tested him. Mom said, what if, I think it was mom that suggested it, or somebody in the family suggested it, what What about, what if, what if the cancer came back? So he told the doctors, I'm a cancer survivor, it's been 19 years, they said they got it all, could you test it? So they tested it. And although they said they had gotten it all, they had taken his, I believe his right kidney and adrenals that sit on top of the kidney, it had, they believed with the technology they had, the capacity they had for medicine back then that they couldn't see how minuscule the cancer cells were. They believed that it had lied dormant in his body for 19 years and through a combination of things he did quit smoking but he worked he continued to work really hard 12 to 14 hour days he got maybe 5 hours of sleep on a good night's rest Uh, never having really 2 consecutive days off unless a holiday fell on a Saturday and then he got Sundays off normally Um, and only having one kidney, his body was working extra hard to filter, you know, a a diet not as healthy as one could be, eating and whatnot, Um, all of those factors I believe added up to the cancer coming back and uh, when they discovered that it wasn't pneumonia, it was cancer, dad had texted me that it wasn't good. And at this point, I had just gotten, accepted a job offer to work at this uh, psychiatric hospital. I hadn't, they hadn't officially offered it yet, but I felt good about it because the interview went really well. Uh, It just takes a while when you work for government jobs sometimes through all the checks and balances that have to take place and whatnot. Um. And actually the day of the interview was the day we found out that it wasn't pneumonia, that it was cancer. So my boss, Sue, um, when I left a voicemail on the day that he passed, which was like my third day working with patients, it was, it was like seven weeks later. Five, it was five weeks later, I think, or something like that. It was very quickly swift. And, uh. You know, you go through the natural five stages of grief and some of those stages are anger and denial and whatnot and lots and lots of weeping and I've been sharing. A part of that story is what started Move Happy in the first place uh, because of the love that I, the unrelinquishing love that I received. Whew. So much kindness from strangers, again when i worked in that that hospital both staff members as well as patients what i didn't know when i left the voicemail for our call you had to you had to call out by calling into this voicemail and leave a recording if you were going to be out um the next day or or call early in the morning if you were going to be out because this was a hospital it was a 24/7 operational hospital and they needed to know who was going to be there um, so they could figure out coverage and who's covering group therapy classes, et cetera, and whatnot. What I didn't know was that, um, anyone that worked in the hospital had access to listening to the recording. So I'm like, Hey, my, my dad just died. I'm not going to be in today. And I'm tearing, you know, I'm sure I'm crying on the phone and I think just being transparent with that in itself helped to create a sense of humanity where people stepped up to be kind to me, give me extra grace, help me not have to work so hard those first couple of weeks. As I was showing up, but you know, wasn't maybe fully capable of working to my full capacity, um, just because I was in shock and whatnot. Just being there, being encouraging. And uh, sharing after leaving the hospital, um, leaving them with five alternative therapies that they could use. Cyclically to continue on. Three of them group and two of them customize one-on-one therapies. I gave them more because of how kind they were to me. What what you give out in the world comes back to you. Oprah says it, every all thought leaders say it, what you send out comes back to you. I received kindness, love, patience, peace. So I gave it back to them, and uh, one in particular patient encouraged me, continued, was repetitious about, Aaron, you will be sharing this outside of this hospital. This is bigger than this hospital. I listened to his opinion because although he was a patient of mine, he was at one point a corporate executive responsible for anyone anywhere from 150 to 200 staff. And he was also a veteran. So I respected his opinion. So I have continued on sharing bits and pieces of the story while protecting patient information, HIPAA protections. I never say any of their real names because that's just that's the law for one, but also because I have so much respect for these human beings that didn't have to give me any sort of attention, but they chose to be compassionate. They chose to walk in the pain with me, which is what it means to be compassionate. Many of them gave me, uh, we didn't really do handshakes in the hospital, we did fist bumps, so many of them gave me fist bumps. Or would come over to me and say, Aaron, I'm so sorry that you lost your father. It was really hard when I lost my parent. I want you to know that I'm praying for you. They didn't have to do that. They didn't have to say things like that. But it let me know that it was a safe space to keep showing up to work. And I did. I kept showing up. And I came... (laughs) just like my dad taught me I came in on my days off to get extra money but also to help out more because on the holidays we had the day off I signed up for the overtime crew and so I got to work on the wards and do one-on-one therapies do like mini group therapies but usually it was more if they wanted to come in and meet with me, so usually it was just one or two people, and so I got to know the patients that stayed on the wards that didn't come down, so I got to know everybody that worked in my hall, um, or lived in the hall as patients, and it was such a healing place for me, in addition to helping me contribute to others, which is one of the greatest forms of healing, and in the last few years, I've continued sharing the stories, continued trying to figure out why the creator told me to do this, even though I have no idea how to start a business. And I've learned, I've studied, I've practiced, I've received coaching, I've received mentors through the journey. And there's been so many incredible examples of reminding me to keep going like in 2020 I knew I had this vision that we would start this thing annually in 2020 every single country we would start it in the United States and it it would expand from there and it was a little bit different vision from what happened in reality because the vision it was in 2018 for 2020. I thought it was going to be an in-person event, of course, we all know what happened in the pandemic and whatnot, but in 2020 I was reached out to from people from the organization of Deepak Chopra, Ariana Huffington, uh, the, the connections that they have reached out to me because they knew that I was the woman to speak on depression and all of the people that I had reached out to ongoing consistently with the faith knowing that although although I didn't know how I wasn't concerned about the how I knew that this was my calling and so because of that help and support I sent them some of my connections and they in in exchange they added my branding to be associated with this big event for depression to help people on an annual basis and all of the people that are affiliated with it um, the top level people I should say they do have a financial kickback I have not received any financial anything for it because I don't well I didn't ask for money for one and for two I don't do this thing for financial reasons I do it because I have been called to be the person to speak and empower you to find happiness from within that is my calling and I've continued on through this journey and each year it seems there's something new that we add some new layer of challenge Um, with light there's also an equal balance of darkness and when you help empower people to not jump off the edge and end their lives prematurely Um, there's an equal balance of life and death and I believe that's why I'm continually being attacked in the physical realm because there is a spiritual realm of angels if you will and there are many pissed off people in uh, and spiritual beings that are not for helping bring people out of that they would prefer to continue with that trend uh, to perhaps make more space on the earth I'm not entirely certain uh, but I continue to be diligent and obedient this unrelinquishing love that the father from above has given me and continually shown me through people's example of kindness on this earth that I will continue being me and sharing bits and pieces of the journey to hopefully encourage you to find what it is within yourself that you've been called to do. And in the last couple of years, I've really started to share more of my gift on the musical side of things. And I never thought that I would be able to sing this one because it's such an intimate song, but something is telling me to share it with you. And I do obey when I'm called to do something. So keep in mind, this isn't a completed song. But this is a song to my father. Because he did give up the fight. And initially I was upset with him for giving up. But then I had to realize that he was doing it, I believe, so that my mom wouldn't be financially destitute trying to keep him alive. Because he owned up to the decisions he made. Not having a good diet, working too hard, not getting enough sleep. He knew that his time was up. So this is called A Thousand Times for the ones who have lost the fight.
1: Dad, I want you to know I forgive you. For not fighting Though it was hard to let you go I smile Cause I know you're with the king Every time I wanna share My day with you I cry a little The further time flows through. Maybe if we spent more walks, or we ate more to food I wish I'd have enough the day, just one more day say a thousand times I love
0: And if there is someone in your life that you have that unrelinquishing love for, encourage you, since I can't get my dad to get more sleep, I can't get my dad to eat a healthier diet and get moving a little bit more, but you can perhaps. Perhaps your father's still alive or your mother's still alive or your grandparents or maybe you have an aunt or uncle that you really care about or a family friend. If you know knowledge to help people live a more fulfilling life, you can't just tell them this is what you need to do because they're not going to receive that. Ask them. Say, hey, I really care about you. I love spending time with you and I want to spend as much time as possible with you. I noticed that you've been... Maybe drinking a little bit extra or having a lot of alcohol in the house lately. Are you doing okay? I just want you to know that if there's anything that I could do to help or if you want to have a conversation like I'm here if you want to vent or if you want to problem solve I'm here for you. They might not know how to ask for help, especially if they're struggling with depression. Because one of the main things you do as a person with depression, you withdraw from others. Like an old dog that's getting ready to die. Dogs will go alone to die. They'll hide in the woods. They'll go away from people because they know that's their time. That's what they do. People with depression will withdraw from society, with their friends, with those they love because they don't want to be a burden because they might be getting attacked so bad spiritually from those thought patterns, either their own thought patterns that they haven't learned how to get rid of, or they're being spiritually attacked from lies of the enemy. So I encourage you, if you got somebody that you care about, tell them. Don't wait till they're gone because then you can't tell them and then you're going to be crying about it, wishing and regretting that you would have had more time with them. Love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening to this special episode of the Move Happy Movement podcast all about unrelinquished love. I hope that we added value to you. Hope that it uh, sparked a little interest in you to take some action in your life reach out to a friend or family member. If the episode did add value to you, it would mean the world if you would screenshot the part that most stood out to you, write a couple of sentences and post it on social media. Uh, we are not posting anything on social until the creator of the universe gives us permission again uh, because we have been doing this this thing, this, this uh, calling so diligently. We have been attacked from the spiritual realm as well as the physical realm, and have been dealing with cyber warfare for two years. Thieves have been stealing, and uh, the Creator told me a couple months ago that I'm not to post anymore until it gets corrected. So, except for this show. Um, so, uh, when when the Judas in our circle corrects the wrong, that's when we'll start posting again, and you'll know because uh, you'll see a photo of myself with all of our top level leadership because he made it happen um, so waiting on that day holding my breath forgiving deeply no matter what uh, but a lot of people could be helped even more so if he would own, own up to his mistakes so until then uh, we're, we're so sorry uh, but we're not going to be posted on social So love you guys so much don't forget to tell someone you love them today. Oh, and if you did like that short little song that I shared, uh, please please don't use it and say that it's yours. Uh, definitely not cool. Uh, but if you do want to share the song with someone you care about, you can let them listen to it. Um, if you do want to make your own version of it, we just ask that you'd reach out to our nonprofit arm, Erin Nicole Ministries first uh, via email. Um, there's a contact button. You can send us a message. And um, I check I check the email account like once a month. So I just keep that in mind uh, right now. Um, but if you do want to get our attention, uh, you can message us on social. Uh, we're not posting, but you can shoot us a DM and uh, let us know uh, how you want to use it. Uh, what your intentions are, and uh, we'll go from there. All right, love you guys.